Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to Ephesians chapter number six. Ephesians in chapter number six will continue in our series. This is actually sermon number 50 out of the book of Ephesians. As, as I put that number down, I was surprised to see that 50 sermons out of Ephesians, six chapters. Well, it's packed. It's just packed. It's a rich study. Somebody said about Ephesians, I've mentioned it a couple times already, but it's like the Grand Canyon of the New Testament. Uh, if you just have an opportunity to just kind of drive to it, so to speak, and just take a quick glance, it's amazing. But it's deep enough uh, to uh, just camp out there a while, you know, and really see it. So that's what we've been doing. We're in Ephesians in chapter number six, and let's begin our reading in verse number 10. We're going to really just focus on one verse here tonight. And that'd be verse number 17. Let's read this unit once more. You know, I was thinking about it uh, in preparation for tonight's message. If the United States military um, goes to such lengths to prepare uh, those for battle, uh, then how much more should we um, do what we can in understanding God's word so as to be prepared for spiritual battle and conflict that we are in? And so that's what we're reading about here in Ephesians in chapter number 10, where Paul writes, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes, the deceitfulness of the devil. He makes it clear in verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So since it is such a serious and real conflict, he says in verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And then once more, he says, it must be an urgent message, right? Verse 14, he says, stand therefore. And here he explains how we might be able to stand, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. All right, that brings us to verse 17, where he uses another imperative verb. So he said that you may be able to stand and stand, therefore, doing these things. And then again, verse 17, he says it this way, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. And this one he explains this way, which is the Word of God. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. How about we read that verse all together in unison? Verse number 17. Ready? Begin. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Very good. Very good. I like it. It's great. Gird your armor on. 
Gird your armor on. This is uh, part three in what we need to do to be prepared and ready for battle. Tonight, um, if we're going to stand our ground, not, not lose ground and not miss out on the blessings that are ours in Christ. You can't lose your salvation. We understand that. But you may not enjoy your salvation like God intends for you to. Um, then we need to have right thinking or right thought about salvation. What, what does it mean, the helmet of salvation? And then we need to understand our weapon, which is actually the Spirit's weapon, what He gave us, and uh, that being the Word of God. So may God bless the reading of His Word as you're seated, then we'll, we'll get right into it here tonight. We try to reiterate week by week here in this series, and we still have a little bit more work to do even as we get into praying and prayer being a part of the, the stance that we're to take. But we've tried to emphasize this, that every part of your life as a believer is important in this spiritual battle, and we literally need to be covered from head to toe. We're, we're in such a fierce battle. Uh, you know, I mean, we're, we're in the type of battle that, that's not to be laughed at or taken lightly. It, it is a serious battle. I, I realize, you know, all this and the imagery of it might cause us to, to think, well, you know, I mean, that uh, physical battle is really serious. You know, uh, the, the battles that, that men engage in on the battlefield, that's serious. But this, I mean, it's not as serious as that. Oh, listen, friend, it's serious. It's serious. It's a spiritual battle that we are in. And, and so we've got to be covered from head to toe. And so we, we basically, um, Paul... Uh, did this, he, he looked at how does this soldier prepare for battle and he started with the, the girding his loins about with truth and then he talked about the breastplate. So it, it literally is as though this warrior is getting prepared for battle that day. And so he's gonna have a tunic that he's wearing but he's gotta have his, his belt on and everything else that would be you know, attached uh, to that and then the breastplate of righteousness, as Paul says it. And then he says his feet shot with preparation gospel peace. And we talked about those, those sandals that the, uh, the warriors would wear there, the Roman soldier would wear that, that it had um, uh, studs in the, in the bottom of it that would enable them to stand their ground, hobnails, basically that which would cause them to be able to, to have good firm footing. And we decided this, that it's better to go to a battle in combat boots than in flip-flops. That's what we determined last week. I thought about it kind of late. I should have had two men come up here about the same you know, size and everything, and one in flip-flops and the other in combat boots and let them have a pushing contest to see who would win. Well, who do you think would win? I'm, I'm going to say the man with the boots on, he's going to be better prepared for that. So that's what Paul is saying. We've got to be ready to stand our ground. And, and in that one, he's talking about uh, the preparation of the gospel of peace. So the gospel, watch this, brings peace with God because we'd been at odds with God. And so it makes us right with God and thus we're at peace with God. But even in your daily Christian life, everything you do ought to keep you in a right relationship with God so that you're in peace with God. We talked about the, uh, the police officer siren. I hope you didn't hear that this week, but we talked about, you know, how that even if you're, you're meeting that officer and you're driving too fast, and it, then it may sound whoop. <laughs> well, that'll get your attention. 
and you immediately look down at your speedometer or you look at your rearview mirror to see if he's turning around, right? Peace left, right? Because you weren't doing right. Hey, listen, Paul is saying, do what's right. You'll be at peace with God and you'll be able to stand your ground. So it's a very good test uh, for us to see if I, if I say that, will I still be right with God and with man? If not, then don't do it. Okay, so it's really practical what Paul is giving them when he says the preparate your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel peace. We, we've looked at this and all of these pieces are defensive. It's helping the believer to stand their ground. Defensive. All right, so feet shod with the preparation of the gospel peace. And then he says above all, because it would cover that, uh, that soldier, that warrior, it was about two foot wide and four foot tall, and this, this shield would be held by his left hand, left arm. And, uh, and really, I watched uh, some, uh, some videos even from the Smithsonian about the Roman warrior and, and how they would utilize this shield and even a group of them. And I mentioned that last week, how that, you know, uh, some of them would come, come together and even their shields could lock together so they basically would form a wall. But, but they really did use that shield very defensively and uh, to, to protect them. And so Paul says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, the shield of faith, the shield in Paul's day, the Roman uh, legion's uh, shield would be made of wood covered with leather and then even dipped in water, immersed in water, so as that when the arrows that were set on fire were shot and maybe would even lodge in the shield, it would be extinguished. So he's saying here, listen, you need to understand that the enemy... By the way, you don't fight against flesh and blood. Our battle's not against other people, but we are in a, engaged in a spiritual battle against spiritual wickedness in high places. And thus there would be flaming darts of the wicked, he says. Everybody saw that? The flaming darts of the wicked. And so if it's the shield of faith, then no doubt Satan would want to cause you to doubt or to fear or to run or to give up ground. Now he says this. Um, take, verse number seven, and take the helmet of salvation. Loins girt about with truth, breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with preparation of the gospel of peace, shield of faith. The last two articles of the armor that the warrior would have put on would have been the helmet and then taken the sword. Okay, so he's really done this in order, right? Now, the, the helmet, these last two pieces, and which, by the way, the word take has that sense of urgency. Take, take the helmet of salvation. It carries this idea. The enemy is approaching. You need to be battle ready. The enemy is approaching. You need to be battle ready ready. Look, they didn't walk around with this helmet on all the time. Can you imagine? I mean, that would be heavy and hot. Okay. So he's not indicating that, but, but what he's saying is that you are about to face a skirmish here. You're about to encounter battle. And so you've got to put the helmet on. All right. Uh, I believe you chose the right place to be tonight, regardless of what ball game's going on. But I guarantee you this, after all those football players got suited up, you know, and they got their cleats on and they wrapped their ankles and, and they've got their pads on and shoulder pads on and everything is in place and eyes are marked up and everything. The last thing they're doing before they come out is putting that helmet on. What if a guy says, you know, I think I'm going to play tonight without my helmet? 
He's not lasting long, is he? And the way that they've designed those helmets now, you know, and they're trying to protect against concussions and so forth. I mean, the helmet, it's vital for football, <laughs> right? But, but he would put that on. Same thing with this soldier. The, the soldier, the Roman soldier, and you've seen them, you know, uh, they were made of, of bronze and a bronze that would cover a, an iron cap basically with leather inside to help uh, so that it was a little bit more comfortable, but it would come down a little bit even over the back of the neck to protect the back of the head and the neck area. And, and then also it would have that brow ridge here to help protect, you know, the eyes and the nose and, and even the cheek pieces, you know, that, that would hinge there, that would, that, would, that would help. And so they're behind the shield, but it would also serve to guard here and here and behind here. And of course I hit here. Well, you take a blow to the head, friend, you're done. So, so this helmet was vital for the well-being of the soldier, okay? Now, Paul says, he calls it this, the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Um, hold your place here and uh, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, just, just briefly. 1 Thessalonians 5. So the putting on the helmet, it marked this, the beginning of the battle. The putting on of the helmet marked the beginning of the battle. So now 1 Thessalonians 5 is the only other place that uses this terminology and uses this word helmet. So he says here, but let us, I'm, I'm at chapter 5 and verse 8, let us who are of the day be sober. Everybody see that? Be sober, clear thinking, right? Let us be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. So he uses different words with the, the analogy. But here it is, for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says here, the helmet, uh, the hope of salvation. Everybody see that? The hope of salvation. So what is Paul saying? Okay, you can go back to Ephesians 6. Here, the context is, is different than that in 1 Thessalonians, though there is certain, certainly some overlap. In 1 Thessalonians, he's talking about the wrath to come and how that the believer would not go through the tribulational wrath because we have the hope or the assurance of salvation. We're not appointed unto wrath, but we are appointed unto salvation. So it's that assurance, Paul is saying in 1 Thessalonians, it is the assurance that the rapture is going to happen and you and I are taken out of here before the tribulation begins. So that's what he's saying there. We have the assurance of salvation. So he's, he's saying that we are in a battle and, and you need to know this, that in this battle, you've got hope, you've got salvation. Now watch this. They were saved, right? Because they trusted Jesus as their savior. They were saved from the sins of their past. Watch this. They were being saved from the world that was around them and watch, ultimately would be saved. All right, now don't get confused by that. Because once you are saved, you are saved forever, all right? But how many of you would agree, 
I need God to deliver me every single day. The context of Ephesians chapter six is along those lines because he's saying, listen, we are engaged in this spiritual battle and spiritual wickedness is working against your spiritual well-being. And so you need to have on the helmet of salvation. Now, I don't want to stretch the analogy too far, but neither do I want to come up short of what it's saying. So he's saying here, you got to have your helmet on because if you don't have your helmet on and you get hit on the head, you may go down. You may be out. You may not be clear thinking. So, so the helmet, it's obvious, is, is there to protect the well-being of the head, but that's because you got a brain in there. Well, we're going deep tonight, aren't we? You ever see those football players? I mean, they, you, you know what I mean when I'm talking about they got their bell rung? They get nailed and they get up and they're not sure exactly where they're going. Their head just got rattled. And that's with the helmet. I mean, the, the real guys played with just leather, right? But these guys now with scientific helmets, I mean, they're, they're, they're going heads up. Man, I, I'm telling you, you got to have a helmet on to endure an impact like that. To be clear of thinking, Paul's saying, listen, your mind, your spiritual thought life is under attack. And you need to think in light of the truth that you're saved. And you need to have on the helmet of salvation and thus to think right about salvation. So the context is different. But I think the, the idea covers that. But, in, but here in Ephesians, I believe what he's getting at is, listen, you are in a battle and you are tempted to think wrong and you need the helmet of salvation. In other words, you need to think right about this. Everybody still with me here? We will be delivered. We have been delivered, but you can be delivered today. The helmet of salvation. The church needs to have on the helmet of salvation. We as members of the church need to have on the helmet of salvation, thinking right about salvation. I mentioned this morning, Charles Molly and how that he began and his family began to rescue um, street kids in Kenya, literally bringing them into their million dollar home. Can you imagine? And beginning to care for them. Well, another thing they did is they began to take these children to church. Can you imagine? I mean, these kids were living wild on the street and they don't know how to act in church. And so the, watch this, the church people kind of got upset with Charles Molly and his family and did not want the street kids there because they will influence wrongly our kids. So they actually told Charles Molly and his family to leave. Now, eventually they welcomed them back. But what was happening there? They didn't have the helmet of salvation on. They weren't thinking right about salvation. They were thinking that, you know, these are street kids. That's a wrong thought. These are street kids. Uh, uh, God can't do anything in their life. Hey, God evidently did something in their life. And, and I believe it was two of his kids ended up marrying two of those kids as they grew up. How about that? You see, we need a right way of thinking about salvation. We need a right way of thinking about people and as it comes to salvation. We need a, a right way to think here that, that God can save anyone. Amen. He can save any family. So we need to have a right way of thinking about 
about salvation in, in that way. I, I wrote quite a list here, and I'm not going to take time on, on a lot of those. But, but I, I'm telling you, folks, listen, if Satan, our enemy, can get in your head, by, by that, uh, please don't, I, I know the believer cannot be possessed, demon-possessed, I get that. But, but isn't it true that we are in danger of not being sober-minded and not thinking clearly? And, and we're inclined to let something or someone get in our head. You know, um, I used to be a, a catcher in baseball, and as I was a catcher in baseball... You know what I did quite a bit of? Chatter. I mean, just talk. Smack. <laughs> Talking to that batter. I mean, the, the common ones, hey, batter, 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 swing, batter. I mean, all that, you know. What, what are you trying to, why, why, and even the whole, you know, junior, the, the, all the kids, you know, in, in baseball, junior baseball, peewee baseball, hey, batter, 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 swing, batter, batter. Why, why are they doing that? Trying to get in his head. I'd get in his head. I'd try to get in his head. Sometimes it'd work. He'd say, hush. <laughs> All right, you got it. But what I, what I was doing there is I was getting in his head. A, a basketball player, if, if you can get in a guy's head, man, he's off. If you, if, I, I guarantee you, in a, in a quarterback, as, he, as that defensive line is there blitzing and blitzing and they're trying, what they're trying to do is get in his head. Because if he can get in the head, then he's going to be skittish and he, and he can't execute right. I, I believe what has happened, why some families or individuals have gotten out of church, is, is Satan's gotten in their head. Got, got them thinking wrong not thinking right about who they are in Christ and what he's going to do in the future. And he's going to rapture them out of here and get them, get them thinking wrong about their past. And, and there's a lot of ways that Satan does that. And so I just jotted down a few where we're in danger tonight of how Satan could get in our head, so to speak. The enemy will tell you, you don't belong here. Get you thinking that way. You don't belong here. You don't belong at that church. You don't belong here. Think about who you are. How, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand here, but you've thought things like that. I don't belong here. All these people, I mean, they're spiritual. Well, number one, you just don't know them. <laughs> us. You know, not just them, us. Okay? Don't let the suits fool you. Huh? We all struggle. But you can think, I don't belong here. Some child growing up here, even riding the buses, think, oh, I don't belong here. You belong here. Amen. You belong here. You belong here. I, it was a blessing to me to hear Brother Rob Kitchen sing this morning, and he was saved through the bus ministry right here. He, and he couldn't hardly get through a song. You know why? Because there's probably a time, Brother Rob, when you didn't think you really belonged in that church uh, there in Franklin, Tennessee. But I'm telling you, he did belong there, and he does belong here. And, and, and you belong here. Don't let Satan lie to you and get in your head like you don't belong here. You need the helmet of salvation on. And saying, I'm saved. I'm just as saved as anybody else. You're just as saved. You're saved tonight. You're just as saved as anybody else. It doesn't matter who your mom is or your dad is or if you don't know who your dad is. You're saved. You know who your father is. Your heavenly father. He's your father. Think right now. Don't, get, don't let Satan get in your head and, and get you all, all confused. No, listen, you belong here. You belong here. Don't think you don't, you're not needed. Don't think that, uh, that you don't have a place to serve here. There's a place for you here. 
Don't let the enemy get in your head and saying that. Don't let so-called scholars who refute the Bible uh, to soothe their conscience get in your head. And saying things like, like this, you may even think, well, my teacher says, or Dr. So-and-so says, Dr. Phil says, Dr. Shalvinsky says. I don't know any Dr. Slavinsky, but it just sounds like somebody that might be intelligent. He says, or she says, well, what does the Bible say? It doesn't matter what others say about gender or creation or homosexuality or sexuality. What does the Bible say? Get the helmet of salvation on. Don't let them get in your head. This temptation seems so strong. I, I don't think I can keep bearing up under it. Uh, it's no use. I might as well give in. No, wait a minute. Satan's getting in your head. It's not true. The helmet of salvation says he saved you. He can save you right there. Do you follow what I'm saying? You don't need to be born again in that sense if you've already been born again, but he can save you out of that temptation. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. God is able who will deliver you. Hey, listen, he can save you from that temptation. You don't have to give in. Get in your head. Nobody else's family is this narrow. All the other churches, they're kind of loosening up. Hey, get the helmet of salvation back on. Weariness sets in. You don't feel like fighting anymore. Hey, listen, don't, don't give up there. Don't give up. It is worth it. The old devil will tell you that it's not worth it. Like you've been trying and trying, but you just keep falling and failing and faltering. Anybody else ever been there before? Hey, it's still worth it. And he's still able. And, and, and you say, well, I've tried and, and it doesn't work. No, wait a minute. That's a lie. It's not true. Get the helmet of salvation on. Too much is getting in your head. You're listening to the world. You're listening to the culture. You're listening to some preacher on TBN. Start listening to the Bible. Everybody's against me. No, they're not. Everybody's against me. Preachers against me. I am not. <laughs> Teachers against me. Deacons are against me. They are not. That church is against me. Nobody there likes me. That's not true. Don't let the devil lie to you like that. Get your helmet on. Don't take that helmet off and get in the game. No wonder you're getting a concussion spiritually. Nobody, not everybody's against you and, and it, it's, it, you can get in your mind. Nobody wants me here. Mm. God doesn't even care about me. That's not true. It's not true. I'm the only one that's gone through this. You are not. Is this helping anybody here? I'm telling you, you can be thinking wrong about this. I'm the only one that's ever gone through this. Uh-uh. That is a theological way of saying that's not true. Uh-uh. You better be careful. Satan will lie to you. He'll get in your mind that you're really missing out on the good life. By giving your life to God, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out. You just want to kind of fit in. Hey, listen, no, no, wait. Get, your, get the helmet of salvation on. He saved you. Uh, things didn't turn out like I thought they would. Welcome to life. Right? I'm not trying to be mean spirit. I'm just saying 
things don't go like you think they would. Get the helmet of salvation on because it's not about what you can do, what others can do, it's what he can do. Uh, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. Well, there are hypocrites, no doubt. There's a bunch of them. They work in job places. They go to sporting events. They shop in different stores, but that doesn't keep you from going there. So don't, don't let the devil lie to you. They drive down the road, but that doesn't keep you off the road. <laughs> Somebody you love walked out on you. Somebody you love disappointed you. Somebody you love talks bad about you. Hey, listen, wait a minute. You got to keep your head in the game right. Don't, don't let Satan get in there and cause strife and, and, and feel like that you don't belong or you, you don't want to try even to work on that relationship. Like the helmet of salvation, he can save your marriage. I said he can save your marriage. I said he can save your family. I, I, I'm saying he can save that, that friendship things aren't going to get better. That's not true. He's going to save you out of here at the end. Things will get better. Things will never change. You don't know that. Get your helmet back on. Is this making sense? You could begin, you're going to possibly be tempted to doubt everything you've been taught. I don't know if that Bible's true or not. I don't know if Jesus is real or not. I feel foolish for going along with this. Get your helmet back on. Get your helmet back on. The helmet of salvation. Maybe you're not thinking right tonight. You know, here, here's what I've noticed about war. Except for the battle of Armageddon when Jesus speaks and it's all done. Like that. Most wars are fought in battles over time. In other words, what I'm saying is if somebody doesn't get out of God's will and get out of church all at one time, they lost a battle of the mind here and he took that ground and then he took this ground and he took that ground and more ground and more ground and the next thing you know, you're a POW. Keep your helmet on. Take it. It's battle time. You've you got to keep your head straight in this. And then he says, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take the sword of the Spirit. The, the sword of the Spirit means the sword has its origin from the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word comes from God. It's the Spirit that comes from the... It's the, the the sword that comes from the Spirit, namely the Word that comes from God. Do you follow me? Amen. Thus it's God's Word. The sword. The sword of the Spirit. So, what about this? All right, I, I actually, I'm going to use this one first. Um, I appreciate, this, this is my personal sword. Actually, I keep this in the office. <clears throat> I work in a rough environment. Um, no, actually, I, I keep it in my office uh, to remind me to preach the word that is the sword of the spirit. It's God's word. The Roman soldier, he's holding the, um, the shield with his left arm. 
Now this one's bigger than what they would use. The one that they would use in Latin is called a gladius. Those of you that are really into swords and knives and stuff. Okay, men. Um, it's called a gladius. There's a Greek word, you know, for it. But it actually was about a two foot long. It's the sword that conquered the world, they say. The Roman Empire. The sword that conquered the world. It's about two foot long. And they would wear it on their right hip. And actually what I learned, I watched a video from the Smithsonian. Huh? They have their shield here, so I don't have this strapped, obviously, but they would have it strapped on. And then they would grab it backwards. That way they could bring it. Oh, mercy. Did you hear that? <laughs> hang on just a minute. Oh, okay. Hang on. Anyways, yeah, I better be careful. But they would grab it this way. You know, I would think, well, they're going to come across. No, th this way they're holding their shield and, and they're battle ready, helmet on, and they're grabbing it this way and it's coming out and that way they're ready. That's, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? And, and then as, the, as the, the enemy would approach, this, would, this is, by the way, is the only offensive and defensive weapon that's on, on the armor. It's both. The context here is defensive. So I would allow that probably what this is, is a defensive. So as they, as they have the, the shield, and I watched as they did this, a guy would come even with a spear, and he would ride that spear up with the, with the, uh, the shield, and then come in like this. And that guy was pretty much done. <laughs> Next. <laughs> you got it? Does that make sense? So they could stay in formation and thus they were not vulnerable and, and it was small enough and quick enough that they could come at an angle in many different ways to do that. Now I'm gonna quit before I hurt myself, but somebody that's trained knows exactly what they're doing. Brother Brandon Boydson, I really appreciate, he came to me after the service this morning and he has a rather great collection of swords and uh, this one's wrapped, oh mercy, whoosh. Suddenly, I've got everybody's attention. All right. Now, this is a Spartan sword, as I understand it. Crazy sharp. He said, I just let it fall this afternoon, just the weight of it, and went about a quarter of an inch into wood against the grain. That's sharp. I... Uh, <laughs> And those, those Spartans, they knew how to fight. You got something this deadly, you better know how to use it. You better know how to handle it. I read from Brother Rangel that the um, United States military really emphasizes Knowing your weapon. He said, it's the first thing that we touch in the morning. <laughs> and it was the last thing we'd touch at night. He said, they drilled us so that we knew every part of it. We know every part of it. Literally so that we could take it apart blindfolded. Some of you have had military training and know what I'm talking about. But that you know how to take it apart because what happens if you've got to fix it or what, if you've got to deal with it while you're, while you're in the midst of battle and you have no light? I mean, you've got to know how to work with it. You've got to know every part of it. But I love what he said. It's the first thing we touched in the morning and the last thing that we touched at night.
Paul says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The writer of Hebrews, who I believe to be Paul, says, the Word of God is quick and powerful, powerful sharper than any two-edged sword. Dividing asunder even the, joint, the joints in the marrow and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart this pierces. So what, what they would do is as, as the enemy was coming, this was interesting to me as, as, uh, as they were fighting the enemy, then of course they would use this offensively, but even defensively, it's the only weapon that, watch this, that would drive the enemy himself away. I see some Spartan coming with this, I'm out. You follow what I'm saying? I mean, the, the shield of faith is going to deflect something that he's done to me and, and, and the helmet is going to deflect and, and the shield is going to deflect. But when that sword is coming, then what, what's going to happen is that whole enemy is going to back up. Or he's going to think seriously as that sword is coming underneath or as it's coming up from above, he's going to think seriously about that. And if he's thinking right, he's going to back up because that's a powerful sword. Hey, listen, let me carefully lay this down. This is the sword of the spirit and it causes the enemy to back up. And when Satan came to Jesus and tempted him, Jesus used the sword and Satan backed up. And he used the sword again and Satan backed up. And he used the sword again and Satan backed up. It was not a sword fight. It was Jesus moving him back, moving him back, moving him back. And the devil fled. Well, the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. But he will not flee from you because of your ideas and your philosophies and your personality. But he will flee when we use the word of God, when we know the word of God and we apply the word of God to our life against the philosophies of man. Then he flees. And we need to know this weapon. This needs to be the first thing that we touch in the morning and the last thing that we touch at night. And we need to know it frontwards and backwards. We need to know the books of the Bible. And I'm so excited about when somebody trusts Jesus as their Savior and they begin to learn where Malachi is. And they learn that it's called Malachi and not Malachi. And they're learning that it's the book of Job, not the book of Job. And, and so they learn that this is the word of God and it is quick. It's alive, friend. It's alive. It's alive. That's why you, you preach it and you preach it and you preach it. And you never run out of anything to preach. You just keep on preaching it. And we don't need the fads of this age and the philosophies of this age and the personalities of this age. But what we desperately need is the preaching of the Bible that is indeed the Word of God. No wonder Satan fights so hard against the Word of God to try to get churches to water it down or try to get churches to get away from it or try to get believers to neglect it. When did you touch your Bible? When did you touch your Bible the last time, friend? Hey, if you're not in the Bible, you are easy prey for the devil. But if you'll stay in that word and you'll know the word frontwards and backwards and, and you'll commit to memory and you'll hide the word of God into your heart that I might not sin against thee. Why do you think you're sinning? Well, you're probably just neglecting the word. This is serious, friend. Because that warrior that I'm talking about, Brother Rango's quote again, he said the soldier understood, the American soldier and the Marine and the seaman and, and, the, and the airman understood and the Coast Guard understood that, that that weapon not only protected them, but it also protected those that were around them. 
and thus they needed to know it. Ma'am, you need to know it because it's not just for you, but it's also for your sons and your daughters and your grandsons and your granddaughters. And sir, it's not just to protect you, but it's also to protect your kids and teenagers and young people. It's not just to protect you, but it's also to protect even the children that you're going to have someday. Hey, listen, oh, please, I plead with you. Don't take this battle lightly. Don't think there's other things that are more important in this life, like sports and money and fame and position and cars and buildings and all that stuff. No, listen, it's the precious word of God and it at work in your life. I urge you, take the helmet of salvation. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus. The battle will not be long. This day, the noise of battle. The next, the victor song. It's just a short while and we'll all be out of here. The trumpet may blow and we'll be gone. But until then, we must battle on and take our place in this spiritual conflict. Let's stand together here tonight. They were head bowed and I closed. Are you thinking right? The guilt of your past does not define you today and it does not determine your future. Think right about God's salvation. Are you saved? First of all, I believe one way that Satan really gets uh, gains ground and robs Christians of a ton of blessings is that he causes a Christian to doubt their salvation, to doubt their salvation. Put the helmet of salvation on. If you're not saved, you need to trust Jesus as your Savior. But if you are saved, you just need to rest in his salvation today. Think right about salvation. Think right about who He is and who you are. And how are you doing with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God? Are you touching the Bible personally? Having time daily in the Word. Dear God, we come to You and we are faced in this day and time with thinking that does not please You. Liberal thoughts, dissension, strife, tradition emphasized over Bible, philosophy of man more than the word that you've given us, relativistic thinking that says we define what is right and wrong. But Lord, we need to be and are girded by what you have said. And I pray you'd help us in this battle. Help Christians, Lord, help us all to to assemble together in this conflict. Pray for the younger generation coming up that they would understand what this battle looks like. I pray for moms and dads today and grandparents and single adults. So God help us in this battle, I pray. In Jesus' precious, holy, wonderful name, I thank you for our commander, our captain, the captain of our salvation. I'm so glad to serve under authority. I pray that you'd help us in this conflict. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you come here tonight? I have decided to follow Jesus. Please come on this very first verse as we sing.